Destinations Beyond Expectations is powered by Group Experience. Visit groupexperience.com to learn how to build your travel tribe. What is going on? This is Stevie G, and you are listening to DBE, the podcast designed for students of travel. Make sure to visit Destinations Beyond Expectations on Instagram and Facebook so you can be in the know with all the updates happening with the show. Remember, you can find DBE on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else podcasts are available. And to add to that, you can visit dbetravel.com and listen right from there as well. And of course, make sure to tell a friend about the show. Most of us got a quick overview of Mayan history in school, but are you ready to learn about a destination where you can truly experience and learn about Mayan history and culture? My guest today is Natalia from Adventuresque Travel Boutique, and today we're talking about Merida, Mexico. Natalia visited Merida, and she wrote about her experience on her website, adventuresquetravel.com. Listeners, simply scroll down to the show notes where I have her Merida Capital of Culture blog linked. I really enjoyed learning about things to do around Merida, so let's get to the show. Here's my chat with Natalia from Adventuresque Travel Boutique. Natalia, welcome back to Destinations Beyond Expectations. Uh, it's always great seeing you. Thanks for coming back on the show. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be back. Thank you. Yes, I'm very excited too, because as I was just telling you, the destination we're covering today is one that I'm not uh, too familiar with, so I'm really uh, excited to learn more about Merida. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I am looking forward to it. Uh, and the blog we're highlighting today, you kick things off with a really interesting point. You talk about how places like Mexico City, Cabo San, Luca, San Lucas, Cancun, and Tulum all tend to jump to the top of our minds when we think about destinations to visit in Mexico. And those are they're all fantastic places, um, and they're super accessible in terms of getting there from a U.S. airport. But Merida is a destination that might not be talked about quite as much, and it seems like a wonderful place with a ton to do and discover. So let's start here. Where in Mexico is Merida? And can you give a quick overview of the history and the culture there? Yeah, so Merida is actually the capital of the state of Yucatan. So as the United States, Mexico is divided into states as well. And they're actually their official name is the United States of Mexico. Um, and uh, Cancun is also part of Yucatan, but Merida is the capital of the Yucatan Peninsula. It's super close to the Gulf of Mexico. If you decide to drive from there, it's about 37 minute drive. It's not bad at all, but it is actually the only city in the Americas that has been voted twice as a top cultural center to visit in the Americas. So that means North and South America. It is full of history. Um, it was actually a Mayan uh, stronghold many centuries ago before the Spanish ever arrived to the Americas. And then when the Spanish arrived, it, it's kind of a sad history, but it's very interesting. When the Spanish arrived, they actually got rid of a lot of the Mayan influence, a lot of the Mayan culture there in order to build on it and make it a colony of Spain. But to this day, 60% of Merida is still Mayan. So the culture that you're going to find there is um, the locals are actually Mayan and they speak Mayan, the Mayan language. So I thought that was 
fascinating because you can also find that in Cancun, but Merida is very proud of this culture and it has actually shaped everything from the architecture to the food. So it's pretty interesting. So you, you were talking a little bit about the state of Yucatan where Merida is located and it literally has these things, thousands of these things called cenotes. For someone who might not be familiar with what that is, can you explain it to us and then talk about how visitors can experience cenotes around Merida? Of course. So interestingly enough, cenotes are actually sinkholes. I didn't know this. It's fascinating. But remember, years ago when we had dinosaurs on Earth, the asteroid that hit actually landed in the Yucatan Peninsula. And so because it's a, it was a big asteroid and then it came with like a, a bunch of rocks landing from space, it created these sinkholes. Sorry, I'm going to jump in here really quick. You may have just heard my dog barking in the background. I think she was just excited about Merida and was telling me she wants to visit. My apologies. You're going to hear her bark a few more times, but I encourage you to focus on Natalia and what she's saying about cenotes. There are thousands of sinkholes all over the um, Yucatan Peninsula. There are over believed to be over 7,000 cenotes, but that we know of, we've only discovered about 2,200. So think about that. There's over 5,000 sinkholes that we still don't know about. And we, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it on their social media, but they're beautiful because what it is, is these caves, these underground caves with water that you know, it's reservoirs of water. And so the light shines in and they're just beautiful to behold because the water inside is turquoise. And, but they're very significant. They were very significant to the Mayan people. The Mayan people thought that these underground sinkholes connected them to Xibalba. I actually learned how to pronounce that. And that is their underworld. So they believed it was purifying. It was healing. They would have a lot of rituals there. So now we think of it as this beautiful Instagram worthy place, but it has a lot of sacred meaning to the Mayan people. And because there's thousands of them, they're so easy to visit. You can visit four or five in a day if you wanted to. And how, what is that experience like? Do you have to usually pay to go or is it something that's kind of free? And, and just talk about how the experience works with those. So, um, and you can do this from all over the place in Mexico. In Merida, it's actually cheaper to do than it is in a place like Tulum because Tulum has capitalized on it. They'll charge you entrance fees to some of the most famous cenotes. But I like to do things more locally oriented. So you can either do a package deal where they'll take you to the most Instagram worthy cenotes and you pay your tour operator to take you to these. Um, I hooked up with a local from there and he took us to some of the most, you know, reserved and quiet cenotes. There was nobody in these places. We didn't have to pay an entrance fee to go in. You literally just walk up or drive up because you you really have to drive everywhere in Media. It's all jungle. Um, And when you get there, it's, you know, nobody knows it's there. There's so many. It's basically like going to like a lake. And you, you know, a lot of them, they've built stairs to make it accessible so you can climb down the stairs and just have a swim. I will tell you the water is freezing. <laughs> so be prepared for that. But something that a lot of people love doing is either it's a sinkhole. They'll just jump right in. They'll jump from the top of the cave and just start swimming. So you can go either way, a very touristy guided 
um, tour of the famous cenotes, or you can hook up with a local. And they have this even on Airbnb experiences. And for 40 bucks, you know, this local will take you and even explain the history of some of these cenotes. Now, I want to loop back to something you had brought up uh, initially when, when, you know, we started our conversation. And that's the Mayan culture, because Merida is a great place to go to learn all about Mayan culture. Talk to me about Uxmal, which I believe isn't too far from Merida and is considered one of the most important archaeological sites of Maya culture. Yes. So Uxmal, um, okay, and I'm going to just circle back, but uh, I have always wanted to go to a Mayan pyramid, right? And what's the first one we think of? Of course, Chichen Itza, which is close to Cancun. But again, I like going off the beaten path. So I, when I was looking up Merida, I saw that Uxmal is actually about 45 minute drive away from the capital city of Merida. And it's actually the second most visited archaeological park in Mexico after Chichen Itza. So once I got there, I was like, I made the right choice. This place was the capital of Mayan culture in the region. It's a perfect perfectly preserved example of how they live their day to day. Not only did I get to see a pyramid, which was huge, it's called the Magician's Pyramid, but I also got to see the nunnery and I got to see this really cool, it kind of looks like a football field, but it's called Mayan handball. And I got to see how they played. It had like hoops. They apparently played with stone balls that they would throw through these hoops. And there was even a throne called the throne of the jaguar where you see how the king would sit and how he would attend to his people on a day-to-day basis so it's just incredible and during my visit i got to learn a little bit about the history but the fall of Uxmal actually came before the spaniards even got there they had to leave the mayans had to leave because there was a drought they couldn't possibly live there anymore just because there was no more water for them. So they had to migrate further north towards the Gulf of Mexico where they would find more water in order to be able to live. So I remember last time we chatted uh, on the the previous episode, you talked about how you just love history. You're a history buff. I'm guessing, (laughs) you know, this must, this has to be like a must see Uxmal if you're going to visit Merida. It has to be. I mean, not only are you going to see just structures that it makes you wonder how did they build this this pyramid is huge and not only that it was so steep that in today's world i still wouldn't climb it if you go on my blog and you i put a picture specifically with somebody standing next to it so that you can gaze at the actual sheer size of this pyramid um it's huge and so i just marveled at the at how they did it in times when we didn't have modern construction equipment or anything like that. I mean, if you really like Mayan culture, pyramids, you're going to love Ushma. I do recommend. Do not go in the month of May. They warned me. They said, don't go. And I said, well, it's my birthday month. I'm going to do it anyway. And it was, I mean, 102 degrees and like 90% humidity. And there's no shade. I'm not going to lie to you. There is absolutely no shade in this complex. So the times that they do recommend you visit would be January to February because it's much more mild in temperature. So we covered cenotes. We covered uh, Mayan culture. But one really important thing, at least to me, when I visit somewhere is the food. 
and your blog talks about some of the extraordinary cuisine in the area, and you specifically mention four dishes, sopa de lima, conchinita pibil, salbutes, and panuchos. Can you tell me a little bit more about what the food around Merida is like, and can you maybe go into more detail on a couple of those dishes that you wrote about? Yes. So like you, I am all about the food. I absolutely love trying local food. And I read that Yucatecan cuisine wins awards every year. And I I have to research why. It is the perfect blend of European, indigenous, Caribbean, and Middle Eastern influences. So like we said, the culture in Merida is so unique that a lot of people go to Merida expecting to find the typical Mexican cuisine. Of course, you're, you're going to go there and you can find tacos, you can find quesadillas, but you want to try the four that we mentioned above because they are a mix of the Mayan influence as well as European influence. So my favorite one was Sopa de Lima. It is basically a citrus soup. It is just so good. The broth is literally made from lime, which is they call it lima, but it's a lime native to the area. So it's not going to taste like the lime you're used to. It's it's very citrusy. And then they add pepper. Um, they'll put in shredded chicken. And basically, they just leave this cooking, and it just gets all the flavor into it. So you don't have to add anything to the soup. It's already very, very tasteful. Um, then you have, um, let me go back, cochinita pibil. Oh, my gosh. This is so good. It is pork. They'll um, dig underground holes, and they'll put the pork in there, and they'll basically smoke it out. So it is just so, so tasty, so juicy. I can't even, I, I honestly don't even know how they get it to be so tasty. But basically, it's marinated in citrus juices, and they wrap it in a banana leaf. And it's cooked slowly in a fire pit in the ground. So definitely a must try. Um, so the other two, salbutes and panuchos, they're very similar. And I will say something, unpopular opinion. A lot of my family hates me for this, but I don't like beans. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't normally eat beans. These last two, remember I told you I went with a local to the cenotes. Part of his experience on Airbnb experiences is taking you to a local house where this family will cook for you. And that is not something you can get from any restaurant, okay? I'm gonna tell you how fresh the chicken was. I saw the chicken alive before I got to eat it. Like, <laughs> like you walk into this house and they cook with so much love because they're so excited to have you there. So salbutes and panuchos are basically a fried tortilla and what they're going to add on top of it is either shredded turkey or shredded chicken, pickled red onions, pickled jalapenos, and panuchos actually have refried beans on top of it. And I'll never say no to food. I may not like it, but I will always try it because I don't want to say I didn't try it. I mean, that's just not part of who I am. And it was the most delicious thing I've ever had. I was like, oh, my God, do I like beans now? Because <laughs> it was so so delicious very flavorful and they're not very big i'll say they're circular they're about four inches in diameter so you can eat like four or five or maybe i ate too much i don't know but i ate about five or six of them (laughs) 
and they're very, very tasty. There's a lot of um, restaurants in the Merida area, but if you can go to like the most local place and try it, it's probably going to be a little bit better. And one of the ones that I forgot to mention in my blog is called Marquesitas. It is a dessert. It is a rolled tortilla and they add um, kind of like chocolate on top of it, but then also with salty cheese. Oh my goodness. The mix of savory and sweet is something that you have to try. And they're in stands, street food all over Media. So you can literally stop and for 50 cents, enjoy a Marquesita. Okay, I'm sold. You on those food dishes, you I'm sold. I'm visiting. I'm booking my ticket today. No, but no, that sounds great. And I'm in the same boat that you are. Is I always whenever I travel, I always like to try different things. And especially like for me, some of these this cuisine uses a lot of ingredients and um, you know, is just a little different than the the cuisine I eat from day to day normally here. So, definitely that that sounds delicious and I and I have to try. Um, it sounds just absolutely scrumptious. Now, we talked about history a little bit earlier. And, you know, history is definitely a big part of why someone would want to visit Merida. And, and architecture that can be found there is absolutely amazing. Can you walk me through some of the historic buildings and structures within the city? Of course. So Merida, before it was called Merida, it was actually the Mayan city called To. And that's very hard, but it's i mean i'm i hope i'm pronouncing it right but it was called to the city of five hills and when the spanish arrived they named it merida after a spanish city um and basically it's kind of a really sad history but they basically tore down all the mayan pyramids that had been there before and they used the same material from the pyramids to build the architecture um my mayan merida is built on limestone so there's so much limestone available and limestone tends to be white in color so merida has a second name which is called the white city because when they started building all of these colonial houses and everything they were all white so that was the original name of it interestingly enough and to me it's a little bit sad but the cathedral the main cathedral in the main square of merida was built on top of one of the most important Mayan pyramids. And obviously there is significance behind that. They wanted to basically impose their dominance, the Spaniards. And so they wanted to convert everyone from the Mayan religion, the Mayan culture to their own, which was Catholicism. So that's a big part of the historical aspect of Media that they, they blended it because I don't know how they did it, but the Mayans survived. Their culture survived. Their language is still alive. They still speak it. And what part of the reason why Uxmal is so important to visit is because it's one of the last standing Mayan pyramids in the area. So as you drive through Merida, now it's so interesting, but their new architecture that's been built in the last, I'd say, two decades is winning architecture awards from around the world because they're finding a way to blend that Mayan history with colonial history and they're building some really interesting, beautiful villas um, that they're just a sight to see. So that's part of the reason why I even wanted to see is because I had never seen villas and they really are beautiful. 
So we've talked about a lot in the episode today, um, but besides the things that we already mentioned, is there anything else that visitors are going to get to experience in and around Merida? Yes, there's three things that you have to do. One of them is visiting the haciendas, and I know that's a really um, famous thing that people know about Mexico, but in Merida before, they used to manufacture something called henneken or enneken and basically they made rope and that was the center of their economy so these haciendas they're these big ranch houses i went to call to one that was called hacienda temozon it's now a marriott luxury hotel it is just beautiful but you you can visit them for free you can walk in and just see them they're these big ranch houses very impressive um, another thing that I recommend is visiting the cantinas. So you have to try mezcal. And, you know, sometimes we're ignorant to the culture. And I went to this cantina called La Negrita and we ordered mezcal and we start taking it like shots. We <laughs> thought it was tequila. <laughs> <laughs> it is not tequila. It is not meant to be taken as a shot. People were staring at us like, what are these people doing? Mezcal is to be sipped. It is to be savored like wine. Can you imagine just chugging wine like a shot? <laughs> That's not what it's for. It's right. meant to be savored and sipped. It's much more savory than tequila. And it's kind of like the lesser known cousin of tequila. So definitely check out cantinas. They're so lively. There's live music. And the third thing is the free cultural shows. They are everywhere and they are daily. There are plazas all over Merida where the local dance schools will show off their skills. They'll show off their latest dances. They are beautiful. The women wear these beautiful skirts that they wove themselves. The men will wear these white shirts. And it's, you know, that I can't even describe the dances. So when they start dancing in the middle of this the plazas the street food people they start showing up with their carts so as you're watching this free dances on the street you can also start buying the street food so you don't have to go anywhere and pay anything to see this it's amazing i was just in shock and on sundays in the main plaza during the day it is the most spectacular show of the culture in merida and all of this is for free all you have to do is show up and you will get a free display of their culture so to me that is the number one thing you have to do when you go that's amazing for free that's you can't beat that for sure yeah uh, okay. natalia it's been so so great having you back on the show but before you go can you let the listeners know about adventuresque travel boutique and some of the services you offer of course so adventurous travel boutique was born from my love of exploring off the beaten path. I help my clients find experiences that they will not find on Google, they will not find on Expedia because I want them to have the most unique experiences and I custom build their trip. So they know the trip they get from me, they will not get anywhere else. And I just absolutely love watching them discover the world the same way I do. 
Absolutely. Listeners, I definitely recommend you check out adventuresquetravel.com to learn more about Natalia and how she can help you plan an amazing trip. And Natalia, where else on social media can people go to give Adventuresque Travel Boutique a follow? Of course. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I recently joined TikTok, but I'm a little old for TikTok. (laughs) But that's (laughs) my handle is going to be at Adventuresque. TV, and that's where you can find me. Awesome. Natalia, thank you so much again for stopping by. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, and I learned so much about a place that I is now shot up way up my list of places to see, and um, I really, you know, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Stevie. I had a great time. A big DBE thank you to Natalia for joining the show. Be sure to visit adventuresquetravel.com to find more great travel blog posts and to learn about how Natalia can help you plan your next amazing travel adventure. After you've visited adventuresquetravel.com, do me a favor and visit groupexperience.com to learn how to build your travel tribe. Remember, no matter where you're listening to DBE, hit that subscribe or follow button. A couple more ways to support the show, you can give Destinations Beyond Expectations a follow on social media, and of course, recommend this podcast to someone you know who loves learning about travel. In addition to DBE, I'm part of a new show. It's called Destination Dispatch, and it's a live stream show I co-host with some colleagues in the travel industry. Each week, we talk to destination specialists to learn more about their destination. The show is live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. You can watch the show by following Group Travel Odyssey on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Well, that's all I've got. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you soon.